this is Danielle Cressa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 216 of Art for Your Ear. Today's episode is supported by Create Magazine. They have an open call on right this very minute for their winter print issue, which is being guest curated by Daniel Raphael Gallery, a contemporary art gallery based in London. The deadline is November 30th, 2021. You can find all of the details and submit your work at createmagazine.com slash submit. createmagazine.com slash submit. Yep, easy, there you go. Okay, you guys, you are going to love this episode. I'm sure that you have seen this artist's work either on my Instagram feed or being shared and reshared all over the interweb. Tiny felted banana splits and miniature pots of spaghetti coming to life through the absolutely mesmerizing stop-motion videos of at Andrea Animates, also known as American artist Andrea Love. Now, before we recorded, I asked my Instagram community to give me questions for her. Well, I got zillions of them, (laughs) but the most asked question was easily, um, how? (laughs) So yes, I will definitely ask her that. All right, she is a very busy lady and had a hard stop at one hour. So let's not waste another second. Jumping in with Andrea. Okay, Andrea, we're jumping right in. Let's start with a little thing I like to call Oscar. (laughs) I just call it Oscar. (laughs) Yes, I just saw that on your Instagram feed. Yeah, well... Tulip is officially Oscar qualified. So it's on a list of, I think, like 84 films that the Academy is going to be looking into. And yeah, I mean, we put so much work into the film. We figured why not take it to that next level and and just see what happens. Oh my God. And so do you know when you find out if if you're an official nominee. Yeah, so the next thing that happens is they come out with a short list, which is a list of 15 of the films um, that are going to advance. And that happens right before Christmas. I think it's like December 21st. Oh my gosh. There's a Christmas present. Well, fingers so. crossed. Yeah. So tight. That's well, even, you know, it's an honor being nominated. Even getting on that well, list is pretty yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we're not, I wouldn't say we're nominated. We're just qualified. I know, but qualified. you know, okay. It's an honor being qualified. <laughs> It is. It definitely <laughs> is. <laughs> um, okay, so I like to rewind when I do these podcasts and find out what people were like when they were little. So I want to know if you were making tiny movies or playing with felt or what you were like as a kid. Sure, yeah. I was definitely an artsy kid. I was into drawing and painting when I was pretty young, and I was obsessed with movies. So I would watch anything that I could get my hands on. And it was a different scene back then. So uh, definitely my love of movies came about when I was in high school. I was a video store clerk at my local movie store. And I got free rentals. I was just going to yeah. ask, did you rent a lot of VHS? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what was your, what was sort of your movie of choice? Like, what did you love? Um. I had a very eclectic taste in (laughs) high school. I was definitely into, you know, the 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 hip TV shows of the time, like Gilmore Girls and The Wire, and getting to like binge a TV show before Netflix was a thing was kind of fun to just have those unlimited rentals and no one would notice. Uh, (laughs) But then I was also into like weird stuff like 
um, Elvis movies, just loved Elvis movies and like weird musicals. I, uh, you know, cause you had to choose things to put on the screen at the movie store. So it had to be like PG, right? But, like something, <laughs> something that would be entertaining to me. And so I would actually just like sit and knit and watch movies all day in the, in the movie store in high school. That oh was my like God. My well, that all makes sense. <laughs> um, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. Oh. And I, ha- I have a creative family. My, my parents are both musicians. My mom is a harpsichordist. My dad is a piano professor at Duke. Wow. And then I've got, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I, I think I get my uh, hand skills. You know, they're very good with their hands. And um, my creativity, for sure, I see it in them as well. Uh, and then I've got two brothers and my twin brother is like a musical theater director. So he does something very similar to me, but like on a bigger scale. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're all very creative and wow, artsy. That, yeah, that's amazing. Well, okay. So um, you said you were knitting <clears throat> too. Did you knit things or were you just like knitting clothes or what did you knit? Yeah, well, as all knitters begin, I was definitely a, like a scarf knitter and maybe <laughs> like a blanket knitter because I wanted to just knit like square things. That's the but, only thing uh, I've ever knitted, yeah. a scarf and a blanket. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I, uh, I moved on to sweaters. So I was definitely into knitting. And, you know, once you learn how to read a, a knitting pattern, the world opens up. Right. Because so, then you could do anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yep. so um, high school ends and I thought, oh, I wonder if she went to art school. You went to school for video production and film studies, which of course makes sense. Yeah. So at the time I knew I was interested in film, but I didn't have the foresight to want to go to like a film school or an art school. I went to a liberal arts college called Hampshire College. And to be honest, I had like kind of a a bad time like it was not really the best atmosphere for me and not really uh, a conducive place for learning I, I think my brain is very very visual and I like to do things with my hands and I found that at this school I was very much judged on my ability to write papers give presentations mm. and you know read very dense uh, academic writing and so I dropped out of school after my first semester, thought about applying to art school, but then got overwhelmed and decided to stick with it at Hampshire. So I went back and kind of struggled my whole way through college. So it was, uh, but you know, on the other hand, I did start experimenting with stop motion more there and Um, That is sort of the beginning of me carving my own path and teaching myself how to animate and being pretty independent um, in that respect. Was that part of your classes or were you just sort of doing that on your own? Uh, Well, these video like production classes, there'd be, you know, an independent project that you'd have to do. And I would always choose to do an animation, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there were no stop motion classes or anything at Hampshire. I think I took like one intro to animation class and I was very much, very much on my own. Didn't know anything about like what 
apps to use, what anything. Yeah. So you just sort of figured it out all on your own. Experimental. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so when you were doing that, what were the things made of? Was was it felt or was it paper or what were you stop motioning? First film I made with stop motion puppets. I was doing little wire armatures and I had no clue about needle felting, nothing like not an inkling about it. So I was buying like synthetic stuffing from Joann's and wrapping it with string to like try and get my shape. And I remember making hair on one of my first puppets and I was like spray painting the synthetic (laughs) filling. Like, I don't know, it was really, really sad. so yeah, I, I, it was not on my radar at all until, uh, let's see, uh, I think I discovered needle felting around 2011, 2012. So I had just graduated college. I had made a couple personal projects. I knew that I was interested in uh, animation, but I was not in any way thinking I would pursue it as a career. I was uh, I, di- I didn't want to move to a city to work in a studio and I didn't have the skills at the time to have like a freelance career. So I was just kind of waffling a little bit and I was at a farmer's market in Durham uh, where I grew up and I saw this little like sheep, little felted sheep on the counter of a fiber farm stand and I saw that and I was like, that is the perfect thing for a felt or for a stop motion puppet. So that's when I started incorporating that technique into my puppet building. But at the time, my, this was my early work and I was covering everything, all the, the skin with, was pantyhose. Uh, so oh. it was a very different texture. You see my work pre, I don't know, 2016, you'll see a lot of like pantyhose puppets. And yeah. that was a very... It was a cool skin texture, but I think people saw that and I don't know, they have thoughts about pantyhose and it was not, uh, it didn't last long. Uh, So at some point I just decided to just take off the pantyhose and expose the fiber. And that's when I really got into needle felting and fiber work. Wow. And so did you just teach yourself how to do it or did you take any like classes or how did you figure it all out? Um, it's all self-taught as well. So just like hours and hours and, Oh uh, my gosh. And Mm -hmm. so did you move, did you stay at home, um, after you finished school or what did you? Yeah, I moved back in with my parents after school ended. And then, uh, I was just kind of searching for new experiences and just to to change things up. So that's when I uh, transition from the East Coast to the West Coast. I got a farm internship on a small island called Whidbey Island, which maybe you're familiar with. I am. Away, yes, right? that's yeah. such a beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a great couple of years living in this small town called Coopville, working at a small organic farm. Uh, but that's a seasonal job. So during off season, I uh, got some nibbles uh, based on my previous animation work from some local businesses who were interested in some animation. So that's when I kind of toyed with the idea of starting to to make some 
to start a freelance career. Yeah. And so through all of this, what were your um, creative parents thinking and saying about all of this? What oh, did they I want think, you to be doing? I think my parents and my siblings are very happy that I have gone in this direction and stuck to it. There were yeah. many times when I was just like, this is a dead end. What am I doing? This is yeah, going nowhere and I should be doing something more, you know, useful with my time. But my mom and my twin brother were very adamant that I keep on doing this so much so that they were hiring me to make animation so that I would continue to make animation. That's so, amazing. You know, there's some older pieces on, on my site in the archived part of my site that's like projects for my mom and my brother and <laughs> oh, that's they, amazing. they probably would credit themselves with um, <laughs> my career success. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, because I was wondering when you were like, you know, changed coast to go work at an organic farm if they were like, what? Like, uh, I where's think, your art going to happen? Yeah, there was a little bit like, yeah, a little bit of that, but also they're just, you know, supportive of me. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I know. Whatever my, I would have chosen, they would be happy for me. But yeah. I know that my my parents and my siblings have always encouraged the arts. And I think if you, you know, if you find something that you're good at and that you love, it, it would be a shame not to yeah, pursue it. For sure. Way. I mean, I've told the story on the podcast a bazillion times, but that was my family. I, they're so supportive of my art. And when I floundered after I went to art school and then floundered after during art school mm -hmm. and after, and, um, and then I became a graphic designer and, you know, my, they were proud of me and everything, but my, my dad, who's a scientist was like, but are you still making art? And, you know, I protested a little too much. I was like, I'm being creative every single day. And uh, he's like, I know, but like, are you using your hands and are you making stuff? Because that's really what you love. And they were right, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I still designed, but I, I found my way back to art because, you know, your family really knows who you are at the core, right? So I love mm -hmm. that they're hiring yeah. you, that's hilarious. Um, okay, <laughs> and now I know how you got to the West Coast. That was gonna be one of my other questions. Um, okay, so there's so many things to ask you. My list is gigantic. Um, okay, we talked about the Oscar, not nomination. Qualification. Qualification, covered that. Very exciting. Um, let's talk about a little holiday project with um, Ingrid Michaelson and Zoe Deschanel. What? Okay, and then we're going to get back on track because normally what I do in my podcast is I just go chronological through people's okay. lives. We're kind of doing that, but I yeah, we're going to zip around because I also put out to my, so many people love you, and I put out to my Instagram community, do you have questions? Oh, my word they have questions. So I was like, okay, well, if I did that, I actually have to ask their questions. So we're going to spend the bulk of it answering those questions. But before Good. we do that, I want to know about Tulip and I want to know about this beautiful, beautiful little holiday video because they're both insane. And then we'll get into the questions. Yeah. So, well, I think it makes sense to start with Tulip. Okay. And then go to the music video. Okay. So uh, this project came about a couple years ago, uh, when I got connected to an amazing artist named Phoebe Wall, and she lives in Bellingham, which is about an hour 
and a half north of me and we have a mutual friend and when she was talking to her friend about wanting to incorporate animation into her artistic storytelling world uh he said well you should meet andrea and so that's how we got connected and we decided that we wanted to do a passion project you know figure out how our two aesthetics would fit together and make a project based on that. And so uh, we started working on that probably in 2019 and we uh, did it remotely through COVID. I was doing the bulk of the physical fabrication and animation here in my studio while she uh, had you know written the script and done the character designs and the set designs and so we wanted it to and, and I should say Tulip is a an adaptation of Thumbelina so it's in like fairy tale world and we did it you know with lots of fiber and felt but some other materials as well uh, and it's just very like magical it, and, it, it's so uh, beautiful but how yeah. why did you guys settle on that like why Thumbelina like how did you uh, well, that was Phoebe's idea to do Thumbelina. And I liked it a lot because of the world that it exists in. And just, uh, you know, ha we, we wanted to tell a familiar story that people would, would bring people in and then like keep them there with the, the artistry. Right. Yeah. And you must yeah. have just, did you have pictures in your head immediately of all the things that you could make to go, to go with? Uh, I actually, uh, for, for Tulip was really following Phoebe's lead. She, she's the one that had like it, you know, the images in her brain and she, you know, made some sketches and then it was fun to see how those drawings could turn into like three-dimensional felted objects yeah uh, so that and but this was a different scale than i'm usually used to working on um usually everything's really miniature but since thumbelina is or tulip is the size of a thumb then everything else gets blown up really big right so That's like so you can cool. see this frog behind me really <gasps> oh wow yeah. oh my word That's and then crazy. This Don't worry, crazy. everybody listening. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have to take a screen grab of that. Hang on. Here, let's see here. Okay, there. Can you hold up the frog again? Because everybody listening to the podcast is going to be like, what are you ooing and aahing about? How there we go. There's the little family picture. Okay, everybody, I will put that in the post so you can see what I'm looking for. Wow, I would not have guessed how big everything else is huge yeah huge um, yeah. and so did you like that was it kind of it was a, it was a challenge I liked yeah. it I think it's a really neat effect but uh if I were to do it again I would construct things differently right you know in my studio right now I'm really just using wire armatures whereas uh this would have really benefited from ball and socket armatures <clears throat> uh, that are stronger and don't oh, okay. break and fall apart oh. uh, so yeah, a lot, it was, it was a learning experience. I worked on it for a year. I was pregnant. I, you know, it was, it was the crazy time. It was COVID wild. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How old's your baby? 15 months. Oh my yeah. word. I did not know that part. That's like a whole extra thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a full on COVID baby. Full on COVID, I was like two months pregnant when 
COVID news started happening, it was really scary. But Port Townsend's a small town. Uh, it never really got hit very hard, uh, but it was still like the unknown of you know, how it would affect the, the hospitals and the medical care and yeah. the birth. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a little scary. Oh my, and so did you have a boy or a girl? Girl. Girl, oh my yeah. gosh. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. I like, you have, oh, okay. Well, this adds to the list of, the main question people had was, how? How does she do this? <laughs> and now we add a baby into it and the how gets even bigger and louder. Anywho, um, okay, so you guys are working on Tulip, and I know, um, like, you, did you do a GoFundMe or like a Kickstarter? We did or a Kickstarter, yeah. yeah, yeah. We decided, you know, we had been able to find a little bit of funding from some local producers, but I wanted to make sure that I, you know, was making money while I was working on the the film. So we decided the the best way to make that happen was to be proactive and do a Kickstarter. Since Phoebe and I have social media followings, um, it, it made sense to, to approach our audiences. And yeah, we, we raised $60,000 through wow. Kickstarter, which was awesome. It let us really pick and choose the amazing like post-production people that we worked with, the composer, the sound designer, all of that we uh, really, we did it up. Yeah, that's so smart. And I know, and it also, you know, when, when I posted that I was going to be talking to you, there were so many people that commented that they contributed to the Kickstarter. Like they, people were just like so on board and supportive and like, you know, it makes them feel like they're part of it. They, they are part of it because it couldn't have happened with, without them, you know? So yeah. um, it's just a really neat community feel because so many people are just invested emotionally. Like they're so excited and it definitely got people involved in following the project. And yeah, Tulip does have a nice, a nice uh, fan club. Yeah. Um, and I know that people are wondering when it's going to come out. Right. So yes, that's one of the questions. With the, the, it's, we've been on the film festival circuit for almost a year now. And the culmination of that is this sort of Oscar qualifying campaign that we're doing. And so the beginning of next year, it's kind of an open book and we do uh, hope early next year to do some kind of video on demand release, probably oh, a, a Vimeo thing. Um, so it will initially probably be behind like a little rental paywall and then you know, eventually we do want it to be released to the public. And that's been the tricky part about Tulip is, making a film and then waiting for months and, and even years before most people get to see it. Like that's why my personal projects, like my cooking videos and things like that are so satisfying because I can just whip them out. Right. And then release them <laughs> whip them out. Yeah. And right. it's much more immediate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, okay. And we have to talk all about those as well. But, but I can, I can segue oh, into the music video. Yeah. Love so it. Uh, so Phoebe and I have been posting about Tulip stuff for a while now, and that apparently got the attention of Zoe Deschanel and Ingrid Michaelson, who were working on their little holiday Christmas song. 
And yeah, when uh, Ingrid said, let's do a stop motion, apparently Zoe said, you should check out this girl's Instagram page. And so that was an exciting moment for me to be like, oh, she follows me on Instagram. I just gave her a little follow back. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) <laughs> oh my word yeah so they really loved the aesthetic of tulip and so I, I was immediately like let's get phoebe on board for this because phoebe and i had talked about how we would love to do something holiday related in a christmas world and i was like this is our opportunity to do a little experiment and work mm-hmm. on that world a little bit and we did it's like 99 percent felt and fiber uh the same sort of relationship where Phoebe did the character designs and the set designs and then I kind of put my felty 3D touch on it and did all the animation and stuff here but it's a little bit different because now I'm represented by a production company uh, in New York called Hornet and Mm -hmm. this job came through them so finally I'm getting a little bit of support uh, you know, working with producers and post-production people and not having to be that person that organizes everything. And Right. You're just free um, to do that creative yeah. part. How did that come about? How did, how did, um, well, uh, that came about last year. Uh, I think just all of my legwork building my online presence and social media has um shown my work to yeah. a lot of people and it's did they uh, reach out to you i think what did they reach out to you hornet or did mm-hmm. you yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah we had like a, a lengthy discussion and negotiation about how that works and yeah i'm on i'm on their director roster so any big brands want to hire me can <laughs> give the old hornet an email <laughs> CC me though too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That is so awesome. Well, so is this, is this holiday video sort of the first, um, thing you've done, uh, like for a, a, not a, they're not a brand, but you know what I mean? Like a commercial piece. Uh, yeah, let's see. I've done a lot of like local commercial work and, uh, just like nonprofit animations and things like that. So this is, next level for me yeah for sure yeah uh, in terms of who's involved and the support behind it and yeah. i'm hoping to that with the support of hornet i can transition into higher end commercial work yeah to supplement uh, i think you will sweet personal projects yes oh my gosh well that the holiday piece is so beautiful. I got all the feels. I mean, you've got those two singing, which is already like goosebumpy, you know, and mm-hmm. then just the sweetness of the little rabbit and the bunny. They love each other so much. They love, don't they love each other? They love so each much? other so much. And then, then the cookies. Oh, I, I can't even, I just watched it right before I called you and I was all, let's put up the tree today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just so sweet. Okay. So now I w- I'm going to rewind before I jump into these things. So um, personal projects. Well, actually, this does lead into somebody's question. Who asked this? I've got my little list right here. Um, Allison wants to know, is there a reason most of these little personal projects are food related? 
Uh, yeah, there is. And that's because people love it. And I love it too. You know, <laughs> we all eat, we can, we, most of us cook something. Ish, um, yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I had done a series of personal projects, uh, back in 2018. I think I started really ramping up the personal projects in 2018, just trying to build my presence online and experiment with new ideas. And food stuff had always been on my list of things I wanted to try. And the first time I tried it, it went insanely viral. It was like the first cooking with wool breakfast video. I was going to ask what was first. Yeah, it was a one one shot of, uh, you know, frying an egg and making coffee. And, you know, I knew right away that it had struck a chord. People were hungry for more. Yeah. And so <laughs> no pun I started rolling with it. And unlike some other personal projects that I've done that are, you know, related, uh, people just you know video after video loved it even more and even more it just didn't really like slow down so yeah uh, I you know I had built the tiny kitchen it's here it's like ready to make more food and so I think one of the things that I might want to try at some point uh, is switch up the scale a little bit and try some life-size food things I think that would be really interesting but then I'm also like is it the tiny aspect that people just love? So I don't know. I, it, that like it, I was just going to say, I think it's exactly what you said about the food being so relatable. Like we all can fry an egg, even if we aren't chefs, yeah. but the tiny, although you just wowed me with that giant frog. So, right. Yeah. You know, who knows? <laughs> I say do whatever you want. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people like, I remember seeing that breakfast, um, animation when you first did it and I was just like what is this thing Um, and so did your followers just explode after that yeah so the first three cooking videos I made uh, it was the breakfast and the spaghetti and the chocolate cake and those happened within I don't know like two months of each other and my following jumped from 30 something thousand followers on Instagram to like 450,000 followers. It oh was huge. Yeah. For me at least. Uh, I, I remember yeah. that. I love the spaghetti, how you put the, the noodles in hard and then they, <laughs> they bend. Mm-hmm. It's just like <laughs> magic um, to normal people. Um, uh, when did the ice cream, the, is the ice cream the most, the Sunday one, uh, the, the more the recent one? The banana split one, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, so I took a break or, you know, when I get busy with client pieces, my personal work stalls Having children, bit. yeah. Yeah, having kids, yeah, <laughs> trying, trying to get that work-life balance thing going. Um, but yeah, I did have a, another round of cooking videos that I released earlier this year, uh, did banana split. Uh, we did the summer grill. Getting the bar. You you uh, shared that one. Yeah, that one was really exciting. Uh, and let's see, there's some other ones. But 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the big question that came back when I said, do you guys have any questions for her? Uh, I didn't even write all the names of the people that asked this because there was like a hundred of them. Um, how long does it take you to make something like the barbecue one, for example? Mm. Like start to well, that's finish. A good question because the barbecue one included making a f- new set. Oh, right. It wasn't and in so your kitchen. You set and all the props. Uh, that takes a little while. So, and I was just kind of chipping away at it here and there for several weeks. Uh, but I would say that set and all the props probably it took about a week to put together. Mm-hmm. And then the animation, uh, well, it's like 45 seconds of animation. Um, it also probably happened within a week. Yeah. What? But you know, like the, so it really varies though. Like the bagel breakfast one that was animated in one day. It was just one continuous shot. So if I can do something that's one continuous shot, it can be done in one or two days. But when I start planning other shots and it gets more complicated, uh, it takes a little while. Phew. Okay, that's actually a lovely segue into, where's the one? Uh, somebody asked, oh. Kate asked, she had a lot of questions, Kate did. Um, She said, um, does she ever change course mid filming and have to create new objects for the storyline or do you do your storyboard and that's what's happening? Uh, I sometimes change course, but with the cooking videos and also definitely with the client videos, it's best not to change too much. No ad living. Uh, But there are times when I get started on something and then I wish I could change course, but it's too late. Like for example, uh, adding the the red pepper. So I saw that there was a question about what that fourth red. (laughs) A lot of people ask that in the barbecue one. Yes. We have corn asparagus hot dogs and a fourth red component. Uh, What is it? I know I got overly excited and just filled the grill with as much stuff as possible. And then when I went to like put it on the plate, I realized there was zero room to have more than the asparagus, the corn and the dog. So I just abandoned, I abandoned the pepper and I I kind of wanted to play it off. Like I was making food for more than one person. Like (laughs) there might've been another plate that had the other piece of corn, but things like that, where I'm like, if I had planned it a little bit better, uh, there wouldn't be confusion around that stuff. It's just so funny. I didn't even notice. It's just so funny that people are like, what is that? Is that a pepper? Yeah. Where did it go? Why are they eating it? (laughs) The cooking videos get torn apart on Reddit. And I should say that in like the most loving way, like, People love it and people love to hate it and people love to just like nitpick every single detail. They were so mad at me for putting ketchup on the hot dog and having the mustard right there and not putting the mustard on. But they were also saying, cause it had like a bit, the hot dog had a bit of a curve on it. So it was kind of more like a bratwurst. And so of course I should put mustard on things like that. Oh, you know, that my sparked, like a huge discussion on Reddit. Uh, really <laughs> that stuff really makes my day. Do you love it or does it make you mad? I do. I love it. I love that my cooking videos can have that like mass appeal to the internet culture, but also have appeal to, you know, the more wholesome, like cutesy world. Yeah. It it exists in all those spheres. 
That's fun. so funny. I wouldn't have even thought that because I know people love them so much. It wouldn't have even occurred to me that people would be like, um, excuse me, where's oh, yeah. the mustard? <laughs> oh, people. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. We've answered the red pepper dilemma. Okay. I'm going to go back to the top of my list. Um, okay. So we covered how long do these things take to make? I cannot believe you're that fast. I, like I thought it would, you were going to be like, Oh, Five months. I, I can't believe it's that fast. Um, okay. Susan wants to know why fiber and felt. Um, she said, I mean, it's completely amazing, but it doesn't seem like an obvious choice for animation. Um, was it just that you liked building that way? Like, you know, why, why isn't it paper? Yeah. Or well, I think first I realized that it was actually an incredible uh, material to use as like a puppet body right and so when i started experimenting with its traits as like a very malleable and also very light material all these things just lends itself quite well to animating it's like you can <clears throat> manipulate it but it also will keep its shape surprisingly well right like the yeah. smoke from the barbecue yeah or, yeah. For, yeah the smoke from the barbecue that I was able to animate that um, just by having a little pipe cleaner coming down on the top of the screen. You don't see the, you know, it's cut yeah. off, it's cropped out of the scene, but I was just attaching it very lightly to the pipe cleaner. And it was, you know, it's like the wool is a little sticky. It grabs things. Yes. So you yeah. can make it balance in really weird ways too. That uh, is just so appealing and, unique i think mm -hmm. i uh the moment i decided to really focus on fiber was when i was working on a client piece called revolution and it was for a company that makes electronic hand spinners and i was telling the story of like the history of hand spinning and i was doing it entirely with wool and this was the first project i had done it that way and i just it, it blew my mind how it was looking on camera, how it was animating. And I was just like, I could, you know, be work in this medium for years and mm. be happy. So I was just thinking like, this is, this is what I want to be known for. And I should just really go in that direction and not try and be amazing at all kinds of animation as someone who's self-taught and working in a home studio, I realized that I wasn't going to be competing with Leica or, you know, like the big studios. So I had to come up with a way to make my work very recognizable on its yeah, own. And the stuff yeah. that people love the most is just, you know, my hand in the frame doing something with the felt. Like it's very, yeah. it's small, it's simple. Yeah. You know, yeah, people <laughs> love it. And I, there's so many questions. I was like, I, I didn't know if you'd answer the smoke question. There's so many questions about like the how behind the scenes. And it's like, I don't want to steal your magic. Like we, you know, we have to keep the magic alive. We can, yeah. But we can talk about a, a few things. It, it'll still be magical. Okay. <laughs> so it's, this it's magical to me. Like that's the part that I love about it too. When I watch it, it does feel like magic. And that was, you know, when I was younger, I thought maybe I should be, I could be a magician, but I don't think I could 
handle the pressure of having to perform and do sleight of hand like that. So what I like about animation is that you have all the time in the world to make it utterly perfect. And then people have no clue. How right. Then you're like, ta-da, the rabbit's out of the that, hat yeah. and you don't, ha- you don't have to do it on a stage. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my God. That's so sweet. Um, <laughs> you have to do a magic one now. There has yes. to be a rabbit coming out of a hat. There, there. I know that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Okay, we're storyboarding. Call Phoebe. Um, okay. Well, one of the things that one of the magic bits people wanted to know was uh, the um, grill marks on the hot dogs. Yeah. So after I animated putting the hot dogs on the grill, I took them off and just needle felted the teeniest tiniest little marks on each one and lined it up as perfectly as possible so that when I use the tongs to flip it over you'd see little little marks yeah so good and when the when the um is it a beer overflows (laughs) yes the little bubbles yeah and that's the kind of stuff that wool does effortlessly it's like I don't, I mean, I just, I'm not gonna say I don't, even have, I don't have to try, but like the, the foamy bits and the fire bits and the smoky bits, like the particle effects is yeah. something like that's, wool does that just very, very Yeah, you natural. can pull it apart, but then you can push it back together for the next mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and the fire in the holiday video is so beautiful too. Yeah. And I, little I light bulb in there. Heat, uh, uh, successful fire a woolly fire is under lighting right just getting that light coming from underneath and then you just yeah but see then again like yeah the wool would allow like the light to come through more in some places than other places because you can Mm -hmm. manipulate it yeah it totally makes sense um okay so we'll go back to kate kate's all of kate's questions um did she oh well we kind of covered that did she start out as a knitter or spinner and fall in love with the possibilities we talked about that oh do you dye your own fibers no not yet it is a dream of mine if i have my own studio someday which is like a big if i could have a little like a little petting zoo outside (laughs) and then like we could process the fiber and work with local dyers to make beautiful custom wool but that's a huge other part to the production that I cannot take on cannot fathom that and there are a lot of fiber producers uh out there um locally but also I I do order a fair amount online I always say that uh people want to get started with needle felting that they should check out the website living felt that's Living like the perfect place okay. to, to get your first materials. And they, they sell wool that's really good for needle felting. It has sort of more short, crimpy fibers uh, that tangle more easily. If the fiber is too like long and mm. comb, it's harder to felt. <clears throat> okay, okay, good. Because that was some more I, questions is where do you get all of that stuff and how can I get it in my house? <laughs> yeah, right. I found I found some good online sources and there's nothing more than I nothing more I love than doing, you know, going on a wool shopping spree. I bet. And whenever a new job comes in, I'm like, alrighty, like get the <laughs> credit card out. 
<laughs> and do you, and is it mainly online then? Or is, I guess you're uh, yeah. in a part of my, the world where earlier, you. So my earlier projects, I uh, got a lot of wool from the local yarn store and I still do. I still frequent both of the, the fiber stores here in town quite a bit, but I have probably like three or four websites that I go to um, to order, to order my felt. And okay. I've been well, I'll get all those links like, from you and I'll pop them into the post so that people can go do some shopping yeah. as well. You know, the living felt one is a really good one, but the okay. other ones I like to keep a little secret cause I don't want everyone using my like fancy art wool, but it, it's out there if you look for it. Okay, good. All right. Fair enough. You see, you got to keep some of the magic. Um, okay. Uh, and I wanted to know about detailed storyboards and we talked about that, but with the holiday piece, was that a suit because it was a client, was that a super detailed storyboard? So uh, it wasn't sign off? super detailed, but yes, every shot did get a little drawing and sometimes I would take a shot and turn it into two shots or switch around the angle, depending on what it was looking like when I was setting it up. But certainly when clients get involved, it's really important to have what's called an animatic, which is like a storyboard set to whatever audio mm. you have uh, so that you can see the timing and how everything works together. Uh, so, and that's something that I can, as I get more jobs through Hornet, uh, they have people on staff or freelancers that they work with that storyboard. And so that's not something that I need to necessarily be amazing at as oh, well. Good. It's something that I can work with other people on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, phew. Yeah. You are doing a yeah, very good a, job. It's a, of <laughs> it's a relief to finally be able to work with uh, a larger team. And that's, you know, I've been working toward that for a while to incorporate more people into the production because the types of animation I've been doing it with Phoebe, it's it's not the kind of thing that one should do alone in a studio. It's a just so studio. much. Yeah, it's, it's a just, lot. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Oh, well, I, I already know this because I'm looking at it. Molly says, does she have an entire world of all of her miniature creations together in one spot in her home? <laughs> and I can yes. see all sorts of things on the shelves behind you there. Yes, I I do have a world of miniatures down here in the studio, and I think the key is to keep them in the studio and not have the overflow into the rest of the house. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I do I do like having all of my little creations down here for inspiration, and and you know I like to reuse things when I can as well. So I have a little inventory of props that I can stick in places if if I need to and are you super yeah. organized like is are all the or is it everywhere and you just happen to know uh, where the hot dog is <laughs> i am i am more of a chaos creator <laughs> yeah. uh but i do i'm surprisingly organized down here when i need to be right. but when i'm working on my own it just it's like a tornado comes through the studio and then at the end of the week I'm like I can't find my scissors I can't find a felting needle like I have to clean up right now yeah. and <laughs> I think that having other people in the studio will help me 
or I know it helps me stay organized and and clean up and right. You know, I don't want it to sound like you know, if you work with me, I'm just going to be like a big hot mess. No, no, I know. And I think the thing is too, when you do, um, I had a friend who's helping me do some things and you realize like, they don't know where everything, like if there's no, um, if it doesn't make sense, how's anybody ever going to be able to come in and assist you? (laughs) So I'm trying to make systems so that it makes sense that the things are here, here and here, as opposed to, I know where that weird cutout thing is. It's under the shelf because uh, I dropped it and I didn't pick it up. That doesn't help anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, and Molly also wanted to know which of your videos is the most popular. And then I want to know, is that your favorite as well? Mm. You know which one has the most? I'd say the, the one that has the most views on Instagram is the maple syrup being poured over a stack of pancakes and it's really you know it's just that one little shot and it it got all the views because Gigi Hadid posted it in her stories one morning and just like exploded things so I would say in terms of overall influence like obviously my cooking with wool series has been the biggest yeah but of the cooking with wool like longer videos I'd say lemonade is the one that has gone the farthest recently. Yeah. I shared that one too. I love that one. Um, And I love it too. I'm, I'm surprised maybe that it, it was the one that got the, you know, attention. I don't know. It, it, it might've been because it was during the heat dome. Yeah. And I just remember being so hot and watching that and thinking, Oh my God, I wish I could drink wool. I was so thirsty when I saw it. Um, and so do you have, is, which, which food one's your favorite of all of the food ones? It's mm, a good question. I'm, I'm definitely like a pasta girl. I love pasta. So I have a, a soft spot for that one, but I do love, I, you know, the production quality has just gotten higher and higher on these. So um, I love recently working with, this amazing sound designer named Richard Gould, who's done a lot of great work on the cooking with wool stuff. And then I love, you know, working with composers too. I've gotten some uh, original music written. Like I loved the music in the summer grill video, the beautiful piano. Have your parents contributed any sound? No, but you know, they did make a reaction video to my pancake uh, maple syrup video when, when they, you know, they recreated it in their own kitchen and it was actually quite accurate and really funny and sweet. Wow. Where's that? Did you post it? I, I think I posted it to my stories. Oh, okay. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm storyboarding a magic, um, a magic animation with your parents uh, doing the music for it. <laughs> it's all coming together, Andrea. By the yeah. end of this, we'll have the whole thing mapped out. We'll Perfect. get Gigi and Zoe involved. Uh, it'll be a internet sensation. Excellent. <laughs> um, okay, what else do we have here? Um, yes, if you've been hired to do commercials while well, you're about to be, I, I'm also picturing, I don't know how you feel about big corporate, but I'm picturing like, like Starbucks or somebody is going to reach out and be like, you know what I mean? There's going to be a felt latte somewhere down the line. Some 
Yeah. Doesn't you know, I wouldn't, good. I wouldn't, I, yeah, it, it could happen. It could certainly happen. Uh, yeah. I don't have any huge names, uh, in my queue right now, but it's get they're getting bigger. Do you have any bigger. wishes Actually, if we could put it out into the, um, universe? Are there any like brands that you would love to work with? Uh, that's a, tr- that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know that I have a satisfactory answer to that. I, okay. <laughs> for me, you know, I, I would love to work bigger with bigger teams, <clears throat> but on the other hand, I do have such a nice self-contained studio yeah. <clears throat> here in Fort Townsend. And, uh, it's, I, I'm really torn between my ambition to break out of the studio, but then also sort of be like, well, if I can make this work in this sweet, cozy place, then. Yeah. uh, No, there's something really amazing, especially with like a little one at home. Like there's something really nice to be in your own space and be able to pop back and forth, you know? Yeah. I was talking to someone recently who's in the industry sometimes and, uh, what was he saying? He was saying that like all of his industry friends are jealous of him because they they want to be able to do whatever they want, but right. they are confined with, you know, studio execs and stuff like that. And yes. so I do think there's a freedom to where I'm at right now that if I continue on in, in the sort of career trajectory could uh, work against me and my my freedom a little bit. Well, I think things like Tulip though will help, right? Like that, the fact that you're not just going completely commercial, like, you know, um, doing things like Tulip, I, I think will, if you keep doing Definitely. that, you know? Um, yep. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think, um, I, what I want for you is, um, I would like Wes Anderson to hire you. Yeah, actually that is definitely, He's one, certainly one of my influences, both as a, like a live action filmmaker and his stop motion work, particularly Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I yeah. definitely would love to make a Wes Anderson, have a Wes Anderson collaboration where he's like writing it and then I can do all the visuals. How amazing would that be? That's exactly what I was thinking before I headed into this. I was just like, we've watched, our family has watched Fantastic Mr. Fox a bazillion times. It's my son's favorite movie. Um, And every Christmas he wants to watch it like several times and it's just genius. And your work is that same kind of genius. It's just a different material. So it's like, Wes, I'm sure he listens to this podcast. He's yeah. probably listening right now while putting his scarf on. Um, so if he's listening, call Andrea. You guys need to yeah, make it happen. for his next stop motion feature. Exactly. Holy felt. <laughs> um, and then Meg says, uh, when I said, does anybody have questions? Meg says, um, just tell her she's the bomb. So there you go. That's awesome. I was really, it was so sweet to see all those comments on your post and questions and yeah. Yeah. It was so awesome. And so many people didn't even have questions. They were just like, I'm just, just ask her how, like, I'm just in awe. This is amazing. Can't wait to listen to the podcast. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that, that um, we got to get through all of those questions. Um, We're not going to do the um, not so speedy speed round because you've got to go in a few minutes, but um, one of them 
one of the questions someone asked was a perfect not so speedy speed round question. So I'm just gonna blend those together and ask you this. Susanna asks, if she could host anyone living or dead at a barbecue, who are her top three invites? <laughs> so I did, you know, I thought about that for a little while and I am wondering if it's, I think I would actually like to invite some puppets to the, oh to the barbecue instead of people. And so I want I want Kermit the frog. I want the tiny chef and I want, I want to spice it up with some, some dark crystal characters. So maybe like a Skeksis oh, in the mix. I, I like love that, would be that movie. Entertaining dinner party. Oh my God. <laughs> and you could all be served by like the Fraggles from Fraggle Rock. Yes. <laughs> I want that, to be at that dinner party. That would be a great dinner party. I'd love to meet Kermit. Do you know um, Andy J. Pizza? He hosts a podcast called mm-hmm. Creative Pep Talk. Yeah. Did you see that he got to go to Sesame Street and like <sighs> hang out with like Big Bird and Ernie and stuff? I did. Yes. That yeah, would blow that- my little mind. <laughs> you know, like just growing up watching that and then to actually be on Sesame Street to with like. Go, to get to go to Sesame Street. Yeah. yeah. You need honor. to go to Sesame Street too with Wes Anderson and yes. Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm out of control today. Um, yeah, you've got, you're an ideas woman. I am, for, uh, for other people. And then when it's my, we were, I was just talking to uh, my friend Ashley Longshore about that. Like, you know, when, it's, when you're trying to come up with the stuff for yourself, you're like, sometimes you're just a deer in headlights. But then if it's someone else's project, I'm like, and then you could do this and this and this and this. I do that in my own studio. Anyway, we have done this with four minutes to spare. Wow. Wow. Is there any other, is there another one last question? That was it. Okay. No, those were all of the questions. One not so speedy speed round movie, uh, movie question I had was, um, your favorite kind of birthday cake, because I love your cake, um, animation. This will give me an excuse to post it. Yeah. Um, so when it's your birthday, what's your go-to dessert? Uh, it's a tiramisu. (laughs) Oh, nice. And it's a tiramisu specifically made by my husband, who has been making me tiramisu for my birthday, I want to say like at least three years now. That would actually make a pretty good animation. It would. That would go crazy too. There you, when's your birthday? What month is your birthday? April 27th. Okay. Well, maybe that'll be an April animation for yeah. your birthday. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm hoping to be making more cookie videos. So, you know, stay tuned. But I, I, there's nothing planned for before the holidays. Unfortunately, I'm busy on a little, a little job right now. And then I've got a big holiday travel plan in the works. So, uh, we'll be back in the studio in the new year. Oh, with new good. That's so exciting. Well, everybody can follow along, um, on Instagram and see everything that you're doing. That's where a lot of the action is. Um, but I'm going to do a big post that has everything we talked about and I'll put in links and, uh, and we can all follow along and good luck with the Oscar thing. I, my fingers are going to be crossed so tight at the end of December for you. <laughs> yeah. And even if, even if this is as far as it goes, also crazy amazing. Yeah. Yep. It's been so great. much work and it's just so, the result is so, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming and doing this with me. It was so much fun. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. Always. Wonderful. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Bye. Bye, Daniel.
barbecue with Kermit the Frog? Ah, uh, yeah, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Ah, how much fun was that, you guys? Well, I think we did cover every question that all of you asked, and then some. <laughs> I put links and animations and images on my site for you to see, so head over to thejealouscurator.com slash blog if you're not already there. Oh, but one thing, I accidentally deleted the screenshot I took of Andrea holding the giant frog. <laughs> but don't worry, I found a few images from Instagram that will show you the scale. Phew! Thank you so much to Andrea for giving us a peek into how she makes her magic happen. Good luck with the Oscars. Thanks to Create Magazine for supporting this episode. And don't forget, the deadline for their upcoming Call for Art is November 30th. You can submit your artwork at createmagazine.com submit. And, of course, I cannot sign off without saying thank you for listening. There will be a brand new episode of Art for Your Ear in two weeks. See you then. Mm-hmm.